It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. Welcome once again, everybody. It is 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. And of course, joining me as always is our very own from KSBHB 41, our Chiefs offense enthusiast, Nick Jacobs. Nick. Yeah, we found a new enthusiast. It was. It was <laughs> we're going to have a new enthusiast good. every week for you, Nick. It was good. Yeah, dude, I'm proud of it. We're just keeping this trend going and keep the line moving on that one. Who knows where we're going to end up at the end of the season. We're all being enthusiastic on then, but I like it. Yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, it was, uh, I did not expect the offensive firepower as quickly as it did. And I sure as heck didn't expect Patrick Mahomes to be over 300 yards passing by halftime. Yeah, I mean, we can, you know, kind of maybe just go through this game chronologically because in the first half, it was a, a Big 12 football game broke out. <laughs> Defense was optional. Um, it was just two teams running up and down the field for the most part, uh, 24-17 at the half. And this Chiefs offense in the first half, Nick, finally looks like the Chiefs offense that we're used to. And I think we certainly expect it, even with some new faces on the offense. Patrick Mahomes is still there. Andy Reid's still there. We expected this team to run up and down the field. And in the first half against the Chargers today, they did exactly that. Yeah, I was not, I didn't expect it to be at that level to where it clicked in the way that it did. I also didn't expect the Chargers to decide that they're just going to play zone against Kelsey as much as they did and really didn't try to take him away until the second half. I was, because I, I, I didn't think another team would make the same mistakes the Broncos did, but the Chargers were like, no, we'll make more. Check this out. So, I mean, it, it's just like that. I don't know. It, it, for me, it just kind of, I know this is going to sound bad to say, but it just kind of tells me that Brennan Staley's time has kind of run its course and with the uh, Chargers at this point. Because like, if you don't understand that that's the guy who destroys you every time and has more than 500-yard games against you, then I, I don't know what else to tell you. You got a whole offseason to figure it out and to take a whole bunch of Bill Belichick tape and try to recreate that. And like they didn't they didn't want to do any of it. They had their scheme, they had their approach to it. I'm just curious how much longer that Chargers defense is going to continue to buy in before they give up on uh, on Staley and what he's uh what he's attempted to accomplish there. Cause that, that team has way too much talent to to be where they are and to have the lapses and in, in their scheme and just easy ways to attack them for free yards, basically. I mean, we'll see what happens with the rest of this Charger season, and obviously there's a second game to go. Um, right now there's a gap in the AFC West, so it doesn't at this time appear that anybody's going to be challenging the Chiefs, but uh, you're right. I mean, Brendan Staley at this point has not been Anthony Lynn. Uh, you know, the Chargers have traditionally, in the last few years and under Justin Herbert, have kept it close with the Chiefs. This game, I mean, was not particularly close. I mean, even though the Chargers had some chances in the second half to maybe make it a one-score game, I, for one, never felt like that this game, certainly once the Chiefs got to half, you know, 24-17, certainly didn't feel like that this game was really in any danger at any point in the second half. Yeah, I mean, once once I saw Mahomes at 300 at halftime, I was like, I was like, even if they throttle it back to a certain point, I was like, the, the Chargers have... have come in with such an awful game plan against that Chiefs offense that I was like, it's like they've given too much room for air for the Chiefs. And unless the Chiefs did something silly in terms of turnover wise, which Mahomes was very mindful in the second half with that, 
about how he approached that. And when they were deep in their own territory, some of the play calling they did, they were they were not going to let the Chargers back in that game with what they were doing. Yeah, and and to your point, and, I, and taking you inside the press box, at least at Arrowhead, I can tell you there was a quite deal of disbelief that the Chargers in the first half acted like a team that is not aware that Travis Kelsey exists and had never seen film on Travis Kelsey <laughs> and hadn't seen him twice a year since 2014. Because I, I just, and I get it, you know, we said the same thing to agree about the Broncos last week. I mean, how could they let Travis Kelsey get that open? And and certainly some of you have to give credit to Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes because Kelsey does an incredible job of just finding the weak spots and zones. Mahomes does a great job of throwing him open at times, even and and there's and oftentimes he just is wide open. But that's the mind-boggling thing to me is that the the Chargers waited until the second half to decide that they're going to you know play Travis Kelsey a little bit more man and that they're going to double team him. I mean, at least in the second half, you saw that even when they were playing zone, they still put Derwin James on Travis Kelsey and. And even that didn't work. I mean, one of the biggest plays in the second half, you know, you know, he gets the the holding call, gets pass interference, um, the kicks the first down. It's just mind-boggling to me that the Chargers, you know, after all this experience against Travis Kelsey, can still get victimized by this guy so badly. Yeah, I mean, from what I was watching the coaches film on the Chargers, I mean, I knew they had holes in their coverage to where some of the guys just aren't up to the part they need to be for that scheme. And I knew that the Chiefs were going to be able to stretch them out if they wanted to. And that if they had certain personnel, for example, when the Chiefs, the Chiefs had a lot more tight end looks with, you know, 12 and 13 in spots than you would see in a normal time. But the Chargers don't handle that stuff very well. And the Chiefs kind of use that to get Kelsey some of those yards early and to kind of get some of the favorable mismatches that they did. And I'm excited to watch a coach's film to kind of be able to see a lot of that in how the Chiefs approached it all together and combined it together. And then they did they did something that they're going to have to do on a regular basis, no matter who they're playing, is when you have Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey together on the same side, nothing but good things happen. Because the two of them together get each other open, and they just understand it in such a way that the defense is always in a bind when those two are aligned together in whatever way that they are. So there's there's a ton of opportunities in the games ahead to re- really be able to effectively kind of use that to their advantage. And then on top of it, um, having McColl's speed back did help a little bit in certain parts of it there. I was kind of surprised there were some ways I thought they were going to utilize him that they didn't this week, but I will be curious to see if they do against the Broncos next week. Yeah, we did not see any of the maybe traditional meat and potatoes, McColl Hardman, you know, where you get the ball to him on the jet sweeps or some of the orbits. Uh, this was, you know, he, he, and I thought it was notable, and this is probably one of the reasons why, you know, Andy Reid mentioned that, you know, that they did not disrupt the offensive game plan just because McColl came back. What they did was fit McColl into what they had planned game wise game plan wise already so he just picked up some of the things that they were already planning to do so clearly you know with the chargers they didn't feel the need to be running some of the the jet sweeps and some of the things with the receivers out of the backfield that they normally would do so i think we can absolutely expect that going forward they're going to take advantage of that with mccall in the next few weeks yeah because because coming up against the broncos like the the perimeter is available against them so if they want to do some wide receiver screens and some flats passes or do some double moves kind of off that like the Chargers did to the Chiefs early where they faked the wide receiver screen and went to Keenan Allen over top 
to get the Chiefs to bite on it. There's there's some opportunities there for the Chiefs to do that against the Broncos. And I also think, you know, we're still, I know we're still talking about the Chargers, but I'm telling you next week with what the Chiefs were able to – the Chiefs didn't show a lot against the Broncos last time. This time I don't I don't think they care. They're going to try to get this game over, get it done as quickly as possible, make it decisive against Denver so that they can be as healthy as possible and move on to their trip to Germany against the Dolphins. There's there's two two ways that I think that this game was important, at least as far as we're talking about the Chiefs offense getting healthy, uh, because this obviously through the first six weeks of the season, we're saying this isn't the normal Chiefs offense that we're, we're used to. And and that's admitting that we're grading on a curve because we're grading this team not against the rest of the league, but I'm grading it against on. 2018 through 2022 and what this group is capable of but today travis kelsey goes for 179 12 yards short of his career high he's doing this at age 34 which is pretty impressive um but marquez vanilla scantling goes for 84 yards and a touchdown uh we're talking about this before the before the pod but entering today the chiefs only had three instances of a player going over 70 yards receiving this season uh, one will surprise everybody, and you got it. Which I, I, you had to work your way through it. It was, it was a puzzle, but you got it. Sky Moore <laughs> against Jacksonville in week two, and then last week Travis, Travis Kelsey goes for has the big first half goes for 124 against Denver, and Rasheed Rice had 72 against Denver. So only now five instances of players going over 70 yards, but four of them in the last two weeks. That's at least an indication to me that we're seeing this receiver room start to show some lives after maybe a rough first five weeks of the season. And, and rice is a huge part of that. Like, but Rishi rice, like he's, he's got to be the one that kind of helps take that pressure off of Kelsey. And that's tough to ask for a rookie, but I'm, I'm just saying like, he's, he's going to, he needs to be that reliable. What I've always kind of seen him as, and I think I've said on the podcast before, but if I haven't surprised um, here now, he's going to have to be their Juju Smith Schuster. And if he can be yeah. that on a routine basis and he's more explosive than Juju is. So if he can be that guy for them in this offense, they can, for the most part, maintain what they did last year in terms of how they attack, how they approach things. Cause when you look at it long-term, this is what I, uh, when somebody asked on, uh, on Twitter earlier, I, I said for this offense to really hit on all cylinders, like people want for the 2018 level, you need, you need either a, 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 and I'm add this on in the mix. You need either an explosive or a, a, you need an explosive running back. McKinnon's that to a certain point. Pacheco's able to be kind of somewhat that power like Kareem was. Um, Damian, the Damian Williams factor is kind of what McKinnon is to a certain extent. And then Kelsey, you don't have right now. You have Kelsey, but I mean Kelsey's not. He's 34 years old, like, you know, and he's playing, uh, the poor guy's playing on a ankle and he had the knee issue earlier this week. I mean, that dude's given everything he's got, but he's not, you, you don't expect him to be at a hundred percent, especially you know, just because he's out there doesn't mean he's the same explosive Travis Kelsey that hasn't, that he's been in the, in the past years because he's, you know, he's, he's 34 years old. Um, but in the grand scheme of it, you're hoping McCole can help with some of the speed whether it's the horizontal speed on the crossing routes or out in the flats to where you do some wide receiver screens, some jet sweeps and things of that nature. That's kind of what you need McCole to be for you right now. And, and at times if he can be the decoy and force the safeties to kind of stay a little bit deeper. So Rice and Kelsey have a little bit more freedom to work over the middle, then that may be what you need too. And you need NVS 
to have to stack performances like you did today and have that level of consistency and maintain that level of speed throughout a game. But in the long term of it, I think you're going to need to enhance the speed on this roster to not necessarily the Tyreek level, but to kind of to really take advantage of the middle of the field and really be able to throw over the top. Because when Mahomes got a chance to to throw to McCole a couple of times, even though the play didn't work out, but when he got to really push the ball down the field, you saw so much confidence from him. And when you think about Mahomes in general, he was rolling outside the pocket to to create some of those opportunities because he knew the Chargers weren't going to be he knew the Chargers weren't going to maintain discipline in coverage, and there was going to be a lot of opportunity there. So the Chiefs receiving core was able to take advantage of it. Kelsey was able to destroy it, and Mahomes was able to destroy it, whether he was running or throwing. So it just it was the perfect it was the perfect defense for them to go against since the Chicago Bears to really kind of help them get their groove back on offense. Now, if we'll see what they do against Denver a second time around, but this is where you gotta you hope from the confidence perspective that they're able to kind of really get these guys moving and kind of stack these performances together because these are what they're gonna need at this level, not only at this level, but maintaining it when they play the Dolphins and when they play the Bills and and the Eagles, that's that's when they're really going to need those things. And and putting a bow on the offensive performance today, the other thing that the Chiefs offense had really struggled with so far this season was red zone performance. This is a another area where this team has usually been one of the best in the league, but this year they'd been more middle of the pack. I think they were ranked 15th in the league and in red zone execution. Yet today, three of four getting touchdowns. The fourth was a field goal. This is more used to the Chiefs' offense in the red zone. And once again, I mean, you know, two guys we've talked about, Kelsey and Rice, find the end zone in the red zone. And, and to me, I think that's that's a pretty good indication about how important those two guys are going to be to the Chiefs going forward as far as executing down at the goal line. Yeah, and then you're, I hate to say it this way, but you're going to kind of, depending how it goes here in the future, you honestly probably need McCole Hardman to kind of be a little piece of that puzzle out in the flats, whether it's the wide receiver screen or the threat of the jet sweep or running the jet sweep, you're just, you're going to need his speed to kind of just force things a little bit wider in tight, compact areas like the red zone there and kind of really just give those little creases that the, that Mahomes needs to be able to exploit. Like he did with rice today on that one touchdown. And, you know, a couple of times with Kelsey, like they, they're going to need, they, they need that threat from him. And, and in some ways, they need Kadarius Tony to get healthy. And if they can get Kadarius Tony healthy, then maybe they, maybe they can really start cooking on this offense. But we'll we'll see from a run game perspective because they there's a lot there that they're still trying to iron out to have it consistently be able to lean on and get them in favorable down and distances to attack what they want. All right, I said there was one bow I wanted to put on. I, I want to touch on one more thing on the offense because you and I both love how. Andy Reid, for for my metaphor at least, treats it a season like a symphony. Yeah. And he will build themes and he will do things. People will come back to it. The shovel pass touchdown to Travis Kelsey, that was the hard way of going about that. Because I mean, I, I if you if you saw the formation, you know, certainly in the stadium, you've been saying, oh, hey, this is gonna be a shovel pass to Travis Kelsey. It was so completely obvious. But Kadarius Tony ran. Not exactly. It was it was a corn doggish kind of route. I'm, I, I don't know what Andy Reid's going to call it. I'm, I'm going to call it uh, funnel cake 
<laughs> it was corn doggish. It was still in the county fair kind of, you know, Department of Routes. He was he would have been wide open. And they're going to run that again. And Kadarius Tony is going to get that, or McCole Hardman is going to get that and just stroll in for a touchdown because it was absolutely completely wide open. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, like you said that that's funny because like that was the first thing when I saw the formation. Like, well, you guys are running a shovel here with Kelsey. I was like, I can, I can already see it from a mile away just from watching it. And I'm like, and like you said, I saw that motion. I was like, oh, well, he's open. No, he's open too. All right. Well, I mean, and then Travis holding that ball up to his head. I was like, yeah, nobody rips it out. Chargers tried their best in the AP images photo that they have. It's the coolest thing in the world to see at the time it's happening. And a couple of the shots they got of it. That was, it was really awesome. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, I mean, they, they did. I don't know. The, the Chiefs had had a lot more confidence in how they were attacking and just kind of creating the rhythm of the team overall collectively. Trey Smith had had the funniest block today that I, that I that I put on uh, Twitter there on that one play. The defensive lineman was leaning on him, and so he said, "Yeah, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that." So then he um, he stepped back a couple steps. The lineman falls forward because he's he's tired and he's leaning on Trey. And then Trey steps over him just to kind of hold him right in that spot. And then the guy kind of lifts himself up and then Trey falls down and just lays there. Like he's making a snow angel. <laughs> and it's just the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. It was on a Kelsey play. It was just, it was so funny. And then, um, and then the screen pass, my buddy Stinson Dean, uh, he's he used to be a really good quarterback, blue spring South and high school uh, that I keep in touch with. He as I noticed it, but he pointed out too. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm glad he pointed that out for people. Uh, Mahomes, you could see the blitz coming from the Chargers, and Mahomes tells, you know, tells Pacheco, hey, you know, I want you to get that guy right there and pointing to him and everything. And what ends up happening from that, that's where they run the screen pass for the touchdown. So the Chargers are like, okay, he's yes. going to pick us up. And then so one of them thought he missed his block, and he's coming. And no, you're the guy that's supposed to blow that up. And uh-oh, well, that didn't work out. An Andy Reid screenplay working. Imagine that. Yeah, and, so, and like the way Stinson pointed out, the way Mahomes sold it really put it over the top to where it was just like kind of salt in the wound in a funny way. Uh, a tr- truly amazing performance from the offense today, especially in, in the first half. And that is by contrast to what has been the strongest unit of the Chiefs this year defensively. And they come out and have their worst half of the season in the first half. Nick, what was going on in the first half? Well, um, part of it is the Chargers did a good job running at the Chiefs in a way that few teams have been able to do, and they found a couple of creases. And with the Chiefs, the Chiefs are really locked in on being able to stop um, Keenan Allen from having a, a nine-catch, 100-yard, 115-yard day. They were willing to let Palmer be the one who does it versus Keenan Allen do it. And it's it's true because Keenan Allen's playing some of the best football I've ever seen him play and he's and he got he you know he's been around since Travis Kelsey. They're in the same draft class, if I remember correctly. And like Keenan looks just as good now as he did when he was at his prime in the league. And like it, he's not messing around. And like he's he and Eckler are the keys that keep um, the Chargers' offense moving. And if they lose them, whether it's by injury or you know it, when both when both of my personally expect to be gone. And, um, through a release and a free agency after this year, then that Chargers offense really gonna, it's really gonna, it's gonna need a lot to be able to kind of maintain what Herbert expects and what he wants. So it, there's that part of it. The Chiefs were 
I, I think Dave Merritt and them were really trying to disrupt the timing and they were wanting to be more physical and more towards the line of scrimmage and really kind of take that away from them to get the offensive line to buy him time to be able to get to the quarterback and everything. But it cost them on a couple plays and they were able to get, they got burned deep. They got burned on the run, but then they also got burned on the, you know, the, the play, I believe it was with Palmer when Cook got turned around and rotated. And like you t- pointed out when we talked before, he made the tackle and everything, so it didn't end up turning into a touchdown. But there was just some little pieces there where they, they went at Cook a couple times and then they went at Joshua Williams in the in the red zone there with the tight end. And so I mean there was some there was sometimes they'd watched enough tape where they, they were going at some people. Yeah, and what stood out to me about that that play with Brian Cook especially is that you at least see that some of the young guys in the Chiefs, you know, not compounding a bad play but making another bad play or making it worse. And that to me was a, kind of an underrated moment. It was a little bit like the stop that the, the Chiefs had against the Jets and, and Brees Hall a couple of weeks ago. Um, they get beat, but they get Hall on the ground so he doesn't break off a touchdown. That could very well have been a 75-yard touchdown to Palmer. And if the Chargers get that midway through the second quarter, that could have been a momentum. I mean, they still get the they can still get the touchdown, but a 75-yard touchdown versus you know the way they got in is a completely different momentum change. And at least for the Chiefs defense to kind of hang their hat that they at least made a little bit of a play and something to build on in the second half. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, look, the, Brian Cook got that interception at the end that kind of helped seal the game. Drew Tranquil came in and had some big moments. And you know he wanted those big moments against the Chargers, and I was rooting for him to get those big moments against the Chargers. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's a, there's some things that kind of the Chiefs will have to tighten up and they'll have to they'll have to get fixed if they kind of want to hold the, the Dolphins of the world and the Eagles of the world in check that you can – I hate to say you can get away with with the Chargers right now, but there's some teams down the road that they'll get burned a couple times on a handful of those things. I have a theory about one element of the second half that worked in the Chiefs' favor. And one thing that both Andy Reid and, and several of the defensive players, Justin Reed and some others, talked about after the game was that they really had some difficulty dealing with the Chargers' up-tempo pace in the first half. And in the second half, I mean, didn't really let the Chargers get in back into that momentum and everything, but, you know, I feel like this might be an example of the Chiefs' depth that they have this year paying off because I think that there would have been times in the past when the Chiefs didn't have the ability to bring on some reserves and to bring on guys, you know, in that second wave, that if a team goes up-tempo, first team's going to be gassed, and they're just going to be able to continue to gash them. Instead, a lot of rotation. Chiefs are able to bring in, you know, some fresh legs, you know, rotate around. And don't have the drop-off that maybe they've had in the past. So they seem to deal with that up-tempo pace. Even if it, they took some blows early in the first half, they seem to settle in really, really well eventually in the second half. And I think that depth had to be a, a factor in that. That is a fantastic point there, Matt Derrick. Outstanding work there, sir. I salute you. No, hey, that... blind squirrel and an acorn. That's me, Nick. <laughs> Stop, dude. No, that's, and that's a phenomenal point because, yeah, no, that they were – there were, it felt like they were going at warp speed at certain times. And <laughs> I, uh, that's actually, that's a phenomenal point. So Matt, I salute you, sir. I've told you twice now, I'm much I salute that. that. That's a great point. So yeah, no, it, and, and, and like you said there, I mean, the chiefs, especially from a defensive line perspective and even linebackers perspective, and you know, now you think about it, when I think about secondary perspective too, 
all they combine. You're right. They do have somebody who can come in and kind of rotate in in different spots, and there isn't the drop off at you know, at the level. It's consistent across the board there. So that that's actually the yeah. Now when you point out like that, kind of hit me over the head with that hammer. I'm like, yeah, you're you're right. It's hundred percent right on that one. Well, and, and obviously the depth came in key again because you know the Chiefs lose Nick Bolton there in the fourth quarter um, with a dislocated wrist. That might be something that keeps him out again, you know, for a, a period of time. But it's not like the past where if the Chiefs are losing their middle linebacker and you're thinking, oh dear, this is this is a problem. Get Drew Tranquil gets to come in, and, and Drew has had a really good year. And once again, I mean, you know, had a strong fourth quarter. Gets the sack on the delayed blitz. I mean, a, a really nice play. I mean, Chiefs have a lot of trust in Drew being able to, to man the ship if they have to do have to play without Nick for a while. Yeah, you're 100 right on that. And yeah, that that delayed blitz is a thing of beauty because he, he you know he showed the pressure to make him antsy, set the protection, and then he dropped back a little bit, just waited, and then as soon as he as soon as he knew he was uncovered and and that nobody was going to be blocking him, just took off and and made such a big sack in that moment. So I mean, yeah, it was. That was uh that, that was one of those moments. And then the the pass play down the middle of the field where he uh you know he has his back turned, he's just reading the tight end, and when he puts his hands up and then goes in there and then you know uses his hand to rake the football out. That was another pro savvy veteran move to where he made sure he kept he stayed back far enough to where the the tight end couldn't jump into him and get a, a free PI out of it. But like just just the perfect balance and just smart, savvy play there by Drew Tranquil. So I mean, like, yeah. Like you said, whenever they are having guys come in, it's just this quality of, you know, starting level. You know, it's not just, you know, some guy that's got five flaws in his game. It's like, no, he's at, at if not better in some, in some levels, in some shapes. And then Chiefs defensive line is another one. Like they have, they're at the point now where a Hughes still, you could tell he's, he's a little rusty right now. So, I mean, I totally get that. But if he can, if he can get up to the speed you want in the next four to five games, like they're, that, that Chiefs passer is going to be ferocious at that point because he was that third guy today whenever Chris Jones went wide, Carlothis went wide, then he came right underneath and and got that sack. Like It was it was set up so perfectly that Herbert never had a chance. So, I mean, and then you, you add in Felix to the mix and Mike Dana and Wharton. Like, I mean, I, I just named off, you know, at this point, an entire seven-man rotation, you know, and like that's – Chiefs haven't had that before. And like, that's like you said, in terms of the NASCAR pit crew where they can, you know, or the line change, whatever, like the mighty ducks or hockey in general, like that's, that's really kind of what they have on, on that defense and to a certain extent. Well, and you, and you bring up the, the really the, the third down passing obvious situation package there. Going back to training camp, I mean, you could see just how excited the Chiefs were at the prospects of getting that particular front four out there with Chris Jones and George Karloftis on the inside, and then Mike Dana and Charles Aminahue kicking in on the inside. We finally got to see that today, and that particular front four was pretty productive. Yeah, and that's and I think once Aminahue is up to the, up to the level that he needs to be. And and I'm not knocking him on it. He's been he's been gone for six weeks. He's been gone for a month. It's gonna take four or five games to get him to that level that he wants. But man, I'm I'm telling you right now, he I'm I'm excited what that pass rush could potentially be if everybody's able to stay healthy. Like I, I thought they were gonna take advantage of the Chargers a little bit more than they did. And I, I thought there were some times that if they were able to kind of get there a little bit quicker there early on, I think that game gets even more out of hand. But I mean, hey, props to the Chiefs, the Chiefs uh, 
coaching staff, Chiefs defense, the the way that they shut them down there in the second half and held them under, you know, under uh, I think you said what 120 yards or 100 under 130 for sure, and no points like that. That's a tribute to being able to make some proper adjustments and. Like you could see how frustrated Herbert was there towards the end. Like he's just like, man, we still don't have answers, man. <laughs> it's a couple of weeks now, still don't have answers to some of these things. You, you could see the frustration on a lot of Chargers' faces. That's why I'm like, boy, I'm telling you what, man. Like there's there's some stuff coming up here that, like I I'm I'm nervous for if I'm a person a part of the Chargers staff. Like you're nervous at some of the some of the faces and some of the body language during and after that game. Yeah, I mean it to, to to yeah, to give you the numbers, Chiefs first half, 32 plays for the Chargers, 233 yards, 7.3 yards per play, 17 points. None of that is good. <laughs> Second half, 29 plays, 125 yards, 4.3 yards per play, zero points. Uh hold, the Chargers, I mean, offense has been playing well, Justin Herbert playing well you hold them to 358 yards of offense herbert 17 of 30 259 one touchdown two interceptions 68.6 quarterback rating that is i mean clearly the worst offensive performance the chargers have had this season and and so to me i mean looking at it as a complete game i mean yes it was a tale of two halves for the chiefs defense but looking at it as a complete game this i think you said it earlier arguably maybe this and the bears could be the two most complete games that this team has played this year. Yeah, no, I, I know dispute that one bit. I mean, collectively across the board, offense, defense, everything combined, like those, those are the two games that you're trying to strive more for getting towards down the stretch. Like you, you don't need to be it every week, but if you can find that towards the middle of December and into January, then there's a ton of promise you're going to have. Cause man, the way the bills struggled against the Patriots today, Part, partially because of the win, but just overall collectively, there's if the Chiefs keep pushing themselves, they're going to, both physically and mentally, they're going to be in a really good spot come January. You know, Nick, we we haven't really gotten enough into this podcast yet to have a lot of, you know, consistent segments. I mean, obviously, we opened the show with you being an enthusiast of something, yeah. which we're going to continue, yeah. by the way. I'm going to have a different, Nick being a different enthusiast every single episode. But the other thing that I, I, I think we're starting to get known for our next rants. And I know we need to talk about, you know, because we wanted to talk about Charles and Minahue, but we need to talk about the other newcomer to the chiefs this week and not really a newcomer, but McCole Hardman's back. Yeah. He's, and, he's back. And people, people have feelings about this, Nick. Yeah. No. And some of them don't like my feelings. So, I mean, I get it. Um, look, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my issues on McCole and then, but here I'm going to give you the balance of it too. Like for me personally, there's a reason the chiefs were willing to kind of let him go explore new opportunities after this season, because originally when he came in uh, to the, to the league out of college from Georgia, he was a very green wide receiver, played some of defensive back. I know he played quarterback in high school, so he didn't have a ton of experience at receiver. And as you and I both know, like in Andy Reid's offense, man, it's going to take some time to get that. You kind of want a person that can hit the ground running. So to bring him in at that, when he's that far behind in terms of reps at a college level, like that's going to cause you some problems. But I understood from a speed perspective, and they were probably in panic mode because of what was going on with Tyreek Hill at the time. If they needed somebody that could kind of fill that void speed-wise and kind of keep defenses honest overall. So I totally get that part of it. But over that time, like for him to earn that next contract with the organization, 
he was going to need to become a really good route runner for him. He was going to need to show that when things fall apart, he could be one of those guys that could help create um, when plays break down and also understand where the voids are in coverage, not maybe necessarily just run the route that's in the playbook, but be able to adjust based off the coverages and in similar ways that Rice is starting to do and Kelsey has done for years. But that's what they were going to need potentially need from him to be able to have him potentially become a number one or become a number, you know, be at least be a reliable two and not just be a guy that you kind of toss to in the flats. You run the jet sweep with occasionally have him run the clear out routes for everybody else underneath and be a decoy. So there was a moment in that super bowl in 2020. And that's why I posted the clips that I did that he could become that guy. He could have been that spark plug for him in that super bowl. And it just, it didn't seem like him and Mahomes were on the same page. And when that happens over time, like Mahomes isn't, it's starting to become a lot more public these days, especially with a NFL network reporter um, that if Mahomes doesn't really trust it, he's not going to force it and, you know, give up the possession and maybe have a turnover happen and things of that nature. So that's why I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really, you know, banging the desk for McCole Hardman to come back to Kansas city. But I do recognize that he has speed. I do recognize he can help this offense. And what I was thinking coming into it is, okay, he's going to help him get a little bit wider spacing in the red zone. Maybe his speed can help him get an angle to where he can catch it in the flats or do a quick slant or maybe a crosser or something like that and kind of make the difference in that regard. I still hold my breath every time he's back on a punt return. I'm always going to. And when there's a deep pass and if there's a defender that's in position with him, I he just he doesn't really want to battle to win the to win the ball. And he needs to be able to do that. And that's where I, I would, you know, somebody like Rice, Rice is gonna do that. Justin Ross is gonna battle for that football. Like, so those are two guys that you know are gonna battle for that ball. I just I just, you know, McCole kind of there was things that uh or Mikol uh, reminded me of today that I'm like those are the things that frustrated me for four years and and we're right back in those bad habits, man. Like you got to change your scenery and everything. And this is, and I'm just saying this part isn't a knock on him, but it is kind of funny to me that like he had the same stat today that he had with the jets. Um, I noticed that I was like, wow, <laughs> it's exactly the same. And like, that's not a knock on him. He's going to get more here in Kansas city. He's going to have a better opportunity, better reps. It was just, I, it was just like, couldn't have one more yard on that one. So it's at least different. Like, it's just, I don't know. That was just weird to me, but he made two big plays today that really helped, you know, with the return that he had. And then also with the catch. So, I mean, look, he helped set up that game winning drive. So I'm not knocking him on that. I'm not saying he can't be a contributor, I'm just saying, like, he's not, if you're expecting him to be the savior of the offense and be the guy that just turns it back into the 2018 team, that's not what he's, that's just not what he's going to be for this football team and because you've already got four years of proof on that. Yeah. I mean, there is, there's something to be said for the you are what the back of your football card says you are. Yeah. And it's probably, it probably is unfair to expect anything more from McCole than what he has shown through. I, particularly the first three years of his career, because obviously last year was a lost year from an injury standpoint. And, and I'll be honest. I mean, there's part of me that really, I do feel for Nicole because I feel like, you know, when he was drafted by this team, you know, we all remember that night, you know, was the night that the allegations coming out about Tyreek Hill and the next night, the chiefs have the, the pick in the second round and could have gone a lot of different directions. Maybe they wanted to go corner. Maybe they could have gone DK Metcalf. But 
go with McColl. And the conventional wisdom was that that was the decision because you needed somebody in case you have lost Tyreek Hill. And as a result, I mean, Tyreek Hill didn't go anywhere for three years, which meant that McColl Hardman was either going to be Tyreek Hill's backup or he was going to have to play a different role and maybe one that he wasn't best suited for. And as you mentioned, I mean, he already was challenged by not having been the most experienced receiver as in having a background as a quarterback and a defensive back. So to a degree, I mean, you know, he really spent the first three years of his career kind of still learning and, and year four last year could have been, you know, the breakout year. And he has his best game of the season against the Titans and then the and then the injury the next morning hits him and, and you know, so I I mean I feel for him because I feel like you know his 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 career has really been kind of you know wrong time and wrong place, you know maybe it would have been different in a, in a different situation, and maybe things go differently if he goes somewhere other than the Jets. I mean that just you know obviously didn't work out for him. Uh, I mean I based on what we saw from McCole this week, I mean he does seem to be a different person. You know, he's, and he mentioned this week to us about being feeling more mature and uh, feeling maybe he's grown up a little bit mentally. I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, great. But you're right. I mean, expecting more from McColl than what he has shown you in the past is probably just looking for fool's gold. And and here's the other thing I'll say, like, for him, like, when he came in the presser room that you and I were both in there on Thursday, like, I have a lot of respect for him being willing to share the medical yes. kind of let people know how scary that situation was, how what was really going on there, and how that, you know, you just in one moment you have what you thought was a cramp, and as time goes on, you're not able to walk for multiple days, and you don't know when you're going to get that feeling back and when you're going to be able to potentially do all that. So that that's scary in itself, and, like, I'm glad just from a human perspective, like, I'm, you know, just from a person perspective, like, I'm I'm glad that, he got through that and that he's at least okay to where he can physically be able to do whatever he wants, whether it's football, just enjoy life before walking the park. I don't care. I'm glad he has that. And I'm happy that he has that. And the other part of it is look, he's a happy go lucky guy. Cause I know you and I both talked about it. Like when we watched him out there at practice there Wednesday and Thursday, just kind of how he was interacting with the other receivers, kind of being playful about him just kind of that happy go lucky. And like, he, that's the other thing I do want to recognize about him is like, I'll say this about him. Like he doesn't, he doesn't take whatever said on social media. He doesn't seem right. to take it personally. Like it's just all a part of compartmentalized. It's his thing, but like he doesn't, he doesn't seem to hold stuff against people. Uh, if he uses a chip on his shoulder props to him, but like, he just doesn't, you know, it's like, that's where I'll say from a maturity perspective. And I, but I've always felt like he's been like that in a good way. Like he's, you know, he understands that. Yeah. That's just, that's, that's its own folder. It's not a part of the, you know, this and that it's not this line here or there. I don't know. I just, I, I kind of admire him in that regard. Cause there's some guys that would take some of that stuff personally and, you know, and like they would hold grudges about some of that stuff. And I, I, I'm just saying like, I respect him on that front with that. Now, the one thing I will say kind of against it though, is like, he came into a really good opportunity unexpectedly to where he could learn behind Tyreek. And if he really wanted to push himself in that regard, may, I'm not saying he becomes Tyreek, but I'm saying like maybe he learns everything that Tyreek was and whether it's through just watching him or, you know, and that type of stuff, or he kind of runs routes the same way he does or goes trains with them and trains with the homes in the same way, same level of intensity. At the end of the day, that's up, that's up to McColl. And just from what I saw from the from uh, from those four years, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't, I would have, he had a really good opportunity to kind of really push himself to kind of become that caliber of a player to where when he did hit the open market, he could command that top dollar, whether he was hurt or not. Well, with what he's been through, at least, especially last season and, and how well he's liked in that locker room, I mean, yeah. Nicole's an easy guy to root for. So right, if he's right. able to make it work in this second time around, I mean, there's not going to be anybody that's not rooting for him in Chiefs game. Right. That's for and, sure. And, and that's the other thing, like, like I, I think kind of gets lost in social media sometimes is because you or I say something in that moment, somehow that's what that is till the end of time. You know, just like I remember the Pacheco thing last year, whenever I said, like, he's not he's not overall fast. And then people were like, well, he, he ran, you know, the 40-yard dash this way. I'm like, yeah, but that's a straight line. He's not getting hit by defenders. He's not having to dodge defenders. So that's great that he ran in the straight line like that, but there's not many opportunities in the NFL where it's going to be that way. And if you watch McCool, or I mean, not McCool, when you watch Pacheco, how he runs, like with Pacheco, like, you know, when he has to go lateral towards the sidelines, that play is kind of done with because, like, he needs to get north-south. When he gets north-south with the, you know, with the Fred Flintstone, yabba dabba do, uh stomping, you know, w- way about him, like, that's that's where he shines. That's his strength. So it's, you know, I- I'm just saying, like, it's okay to change your opinion based on new information. Things don't have to be exactly this play. This moment in time, you said this, this is what this is always going to be. Unless it's something that's terrible, but you know, analyzing football, you know, like that's, I'm sorry, but that's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I'm like, it's, it's football at the end of the day. Yeah, that's the one, one promise we, you and I both make to everybody out there on the, on this pod is that we will always try to be fair and objective and tell you what we see and what we hear and try not to make judgments. That's, that's for you, the listener to do. We, we will just tell you what we see and what we hear. Nailed it, Matt. I couldn't set it better myself. <laughs> well, that is it for this week. Chiefs are six and one. Uh, next week, we will be talking about another AFC West divisional matchup, a rematch with the Broncos, which I think you're hoping is not a trap game because aren't we all just really talking about and thinking about going to Germany in a couple of weeks and the Chiefs facing the Dolphins? A Dolphins team that just lost to the Eagles by two touchdowns so the the game plan apparently for how to stop the dolphins offense is out there for steve spagnolo to copy and tweak from the bills and the eagles but first you gotta get past denver so yeah no i mean yeah yeah i mean that's that's the key have a strong run game just uh because you gotta think the broncos are all right we're taking kelsey away this time so you better do something else guys Well, we will be back with you next week to talk about Chiefs and Broncos. We will wrap it up here on 41 is the mic. Uh, Hit like, subscribe, do all those things. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, whatever you can. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you helping us out. Appreciate you listening. So for Nick and myself, thank you, everyone. And we will join you next week after Chiefs and Broncos. You've been listening to 41 is the mic presented by KSHB 41, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest.